Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Welcome back to another episode of The Smiley Show. I am Charlie Holm, Smiley's producer, co-host. He's, of course, Smiley Kaufman. Uh, we're fresh off very different weekends, very busy weekends. You were, you were in uh, picturesque Auburn, Alabama, home of your wife's alma mater with your daughter, Anna Carter, taking in her first Tigers game. How, how was the weekend on your end, man? Well, she's actually been to two Auburn games now. She's been to more That's football games first home than game I have. Right. Or no, oh, she no, did go to another home game without yeah, you. That's right. Yeah. She's been to two already. She's out football gamed me this year. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's putting together quite the resume. Uh, two weekends in a row, she has seen Auburn lose. So maybe that plays mm. into future um, LSU fandom. I don't really care if she goes LSU or not. I would prefer that she went to Auburn, actually, because I think it's a great. Really? great school i think she could be a little cheerleader there or golfer or whatever she wants to me she's just closer to dad so i think that's oh god i was trying to figure that reason. one out you want her in the state of alabama that makes yeah. sense okay yeah yeah uh closer to dad um yeah it's great weekend I, I think we're just we've kind of been running on fumes uh last couple weekends doing two football games with her just <laughs> it was a lot of travel uh seeing a lot of fun people but man it's just <laughs> we are worn out um Oh, but great, uh, great weekend. Um, how was your weekend? How did North Carolina play? Uh, can I can I use a no comment here? I mean, good lord, dude! Uh, did did I not tell you? I don't know if this was on the you podcast it, recording last it. week. I told you this was a trap game, and I laughed. Ha- <laughs> you, you laughed, which is why I need to see if I can find the recording. You laughed, and but see, but I I don't blame you at all because this is Carolina football. I, that was like just injecting Carolina football straight into my veins. Like it does not get any more pure and uncut than that loss uh, really to Virginia. Bad, to really one bad. in five team that had one win against William and Mary. Um, and it was so perfect too, because my son, it was his first birthday uh, on Friday, the 20th. <laughs> and so his birthday party is on the 21st and he got uh, a home and away North Carolina football Jersey. And then of course they lose in that fashion. And it was just like a great reminder. Like this is, this is what you're dragging your son into. <laughs> Like, make sure you're okay with this. This is a home, I right? <laughs> the game it was, was a home Adam. game. <laughs> it was a home game. You yeah. can't even blame it on, like, a raucous <laughs> Virginia crowd that Virginia showed up Cavaliers. in the second half that would happen to all be in their homes or at the bars. And they're like, wait, we have a chance to win this game. Let's go to the game for the second half. It wasn't even that. Like, it- you can't you can't blame it on anything other than just Carolina football doing Carolina football things. I mean, I doesn't it doesn't change the fact that I'm going to just retain my eternal optimism for this team uh, and let them hurt me at every uh, juncture that I can allow them to uh, and, and also drag my son into that. But that's Carolina football. I'll say, look, wasn't all bad this last weekend because look at what look at what the boys brought home. <laughs> <laughs> the men's league championship, baby. The big cup. I think I, I shot you a little video. We, we drank uh, a, a great deal of beer out of this after a thrilling chip off win. Our third chip off mm. win in four playoff matches. And, you know, it's just it's nice to see the good guys win one every once in a while. That's how all many, I'll say about How that. many beers fit in, the, uh, in that old cup? Uh, you know how, like, you know when you go to a bar and they have those big metal tumbler type things that they use to like mix drinks or, or, you know, like sometimes I guess you could fill up a beer, not like a pint glass, like bigger than a pint glass. Um, Maybe like, like five of those, five of those big metal tumblers. Okay. 
it was a healthy pour. It was probably it was probably closer to eight beers, and and we yeah we we took it all down. But how they, many guys are on on your league team? Like four, uh, eight man team. So how uh, did it work with you not being able to play? Because obviously now your championship total is still a one, but it has an asterisk next to it. But continue. Wait a second. <laughs> how, how is it? How is it asterisk when I effectively won? Two of our playoff games with chip offs. It's a good point. But did you play the final? I, I did, but I feel <laughs> like I finished, it was a mo- it was it was motivational. You know, it was like looking over at any moment I could just rip off the the neck brace and Willis Reed my way out there for the chip off. You know, and I think that is what struck struck fear in my opponent's hearts. No, it was it was it's a it's an it's a really fun league. It's an eight eight man team, and they're like thirty teams, season long competition then four stage playoffs. And then in the playoffs, you have two teams of two play. So okay. have your rosters playing. So yes, yeah, so I, I, I sat the, and it was, dude, it was full like Ryder so cup. Only four guys played in the final. Yeah. Of the eight. That kind of yes. sucks. Like, I mean, it's not like, I mean, all, I feel like everybody should play. It's not like this is the Ryder cup. <laughs> like every, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a really tough scene. The, the, the guy that has to sit to tell his wife, you know what? I just had to sit this one out, like just not quite good enough. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't understand the sit component of all that, but uh, pop off. I will. I, actually, you're giving me a great idea. Like the, it, the final shouldn't and should not be two man. It, it shouldn't be. Let's see a four ball, a, a best ball. It should be like six singles matches or eight singles matches. Like it should be like Ryder Cup Sunday. I, I just don't understand any league why like anybody would ever have to sit. It's not like it's pros, you know, like everybody should get to play. It's <laughs> true. I, I think it's more of a like uh, I have to take my kids to soccer practice thing oh, or like I'm it's working. More of a, like it's hard to get that many to yeah, play. Like okay. like it, it may come as a shock to you and many, but like Hope Valley uh, Thursday night men's league isn't like the most important thing in our lives <laughs> uh, as much as we would love for it to be. Um, That's a good but listen. We treated it like it was on Thursday night. We shut down the patio. Lots of revelry. Good. I we love have three thousand boys. Um, listen, that's quite that's quite enough time spent on <laughs> my Thursday night men's league team. As, as much as I'd love to just make do thirty more minutes on that, let's let's get over to some some real golf that was played uh, in Japan, the Zozo Championship in the middle of the night. Um, I unfortunately did not watch a single shot live, although I actually I'll give props to the PGA Tour app where they're do do the recaps every morning, getting up, watching like a video story, like Instagram story style. That is killer. That's like a great way to kind of figure out what happened at the top line. Then I could go in and go to the DVR and, and see and, you know, kind of watch shots I wanted to watch. But Cole Morikawa runs away with it. On Sunday, he shot it. He shot a, a 64 in his first round Then backtracked a lot uh, to shot a 73 in his second round. I read a stat somewhere that he was even par through his first 40 holes and 14 under through his final 32 holes. So I just, you know, for a guy that he was actually he was asked at the beginning of the week about, you know, is there a Ryder Cup hangover? And it was like, no, we're not really trying to take this in, into this tournament. You know, that was a team deal. This is an individual deal. Um, no signs of it here. I just wonder what your kind of impressions are of a guy who who hasn't won since, golly, the 2021 Open Championship, right? And came close at, at the century this last year. You know, seeing him win again, what does that do for him rolling into next year? I mean, it means a lot, right? I mean, I think anytime these guys win in the fall, it means it means a, a bunch for these guys' confidence, and especially for 
a semi young, you know, he's kind of getting a little older now. He's not that young whippersnapper that we all kind of <laughs> watched him as he came up as a 21, 22 year old. He's what, 26 years old now. So mm-hmm. he's, he's a little bit more seasoned, a little more uh, skin to his bones when it, when it comes to just experience and, and going through what some people call a wall. I need to find this stat. I, I think it was, um, Oh gosh, who the heck tweeted it? It was something along the lines of him struggling with his golf swing and just not really having control of his golf ball. And the stats showed like over the last two years, the best ball strikers, like uh, like they named four guys and the fourth one was Colin Morikawa. So it's, it's wild. It's all relative, to me. right? <laughs> it's all perception too, but you know, when you're really good at something and you don't do it to the level that you know you can do it at, it probably does eat away at you. You know, like Colin Morikawa, from what I've told, just like from his combine testing, I say combine testing, meaning like things he does at TaylorMade with TrackMan, just things that you can can test. Colin Morikawa's iron game, his his control with his driver, it's it really is as good as it gets. And I think that's why he's obviously been so dang successful. And, um, and he's something he's heavily leaned on and, and he's talked about it over the last year, just really not having it. And, and really over the last summer, I felt like he started kind of getting it back going again. You know, it, it was him showing up right around when, what was it? Where Colin, excuse me, Ricky won it. The Rocket, Rocket mortgage. mortgage was in that playoff. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't miss a shot in that playoff. He just missed his number by a yard and very easily could have made a birdie. Didn't win, but you know, goes on the rest of the year. It kind of felt like he was going to make a little run there at the tour championship, getting off to a really nice hot start. That's right. And he didn't have a very good Saturday and Sunday, but still he was showing signs, especially heading into the Ryder cup. Didn't really felt feel like he was one of the picks that, that was a, in a question to me. Um, Played pretty well there. Um, not not absurdly good. You know, ran into Victor Hovland on Sunday, which who was beating him, right? Yes, so, right. <laughs> and nobody. Short answer. Yeah, nobody was beating him that week. So, Colin, so back to just where he is, 26 years old, won six times. What does it mean for him next year? He's already won two times, um, being a two-time major champion. I just, there's so many guys right now, Charlie, that I look at for next year, Hmm. like they, they're going to win a major and the list is too long. And that's a good thing for golf, right? For the fact that there's just this massive group of guys where you're like, oh, they're a hundred percent going to win a major next year. And it just goes to show how difficult it is to time up peak golf in major championships to be able to win uh, the most important events because, you know, Rory McIlroy's had some incredible years that just hasn't been able to get it over the hump as far as just peaking at the right time where everything goes this way. And, and you got to have a little luck on your side. And sometimes you just don't get that break in a tournament to end up winning. And um, will, will Colin win a major next year? I I don't know. What do you think? Is he a guy to you that you think is going to win a major next year? I, I, I see another group of, players that I, I kind of picked before him, but would it surprise me if he went out and wanted Augusta? Absolutely not. He He's absolutely in the would it surprise me? No category for me. I mean, I, I think it's he's one of these guys, too, where I feel like, it, you know, and you it's it's funny. We have a, a Victor Hovland episode 
that we are both super pumped about dropping on Thursday. He was fantastic in this interview and, and really gets into the nitty gritty of, of some technical stuff with his short game with you that I thought was super insightful. But you know, you we, we play an excerpt in that interview of a conversation you had on a Golf Digest pod where you were talking about the best players in the world and like if they can just get that one thing that's their Achilles heel clicking, you know, they theoretically should be close to unbeatable. And for Scotty, it's right. his putter. And for Victor, it was a short game. And and Colin, you know, I feel like if you had to pinpoint that thing, um, you know, maybe it would be putting for the most part because he's such an and amazing chipping. ball striker and, and and chipping to a certain degree as well. Yeah, and I mean chipping, we obviously famously saw on on, on display at the century, you know, at the yes. beginning of, of 2023. But um it, it was funny I, in, in looking at this, um, and, and I'm not sure as a tailor made guy, I know they have some affiliation with gears, and we just had on Michael Neff. And by the way, if you're a swing nerd and you want to kind of break down the minutia of the swinging and, and nerd out on that a little bit, go check that out at our YouTube page right now. Cause that was such a cool conversation you had, but I, I am so curious if this is a guy that he ever got data on because looking back at that 2022 year, that was definitely, he would have told you it's an off year and going from a guy that had this super reliable cut. And then he felt like he was kind of losing that, hitting it straight, maybe even hitting it right to left at times. Like, what I'm sure you encountered this at certain points of your career where like the ball is just not flying the way you want it to. Um, it, what does it feel like on the course when you don't know exactly which way it's going to go? And it may be a miss in the other way. And and how great, great does it feel when you finally get that thing back clicking the way you want it to? Oh, it's, you know, confidence comes so quickly. And for a guy like Colin Morikawa, who is a fader of the golf ball, bows his left wrist crazy amounts. Meaning if, if you try to, if I try to get as bowed at the top of the golf swing as Colin Morikawa and show it in a down the line form and put it side by side and tr I try to do as much as I could, I still couldn't do it as much as Colin Morikawa can. And a lot of times guys that can really bow their left wrist, maybe outside of like Dustin Johnson, mm -hmm. they typically have really weak left hand grips. So uh, here's a couple guys. So Colin's one. Like Jordan Spieth is a very, he's a bowed player. It's a weaker left-hand grip. Uh, Brooks kept his a little bit more neutral, but the, those are two guys that come to mind. But um, it's it's easier when you're gripping the club a little bit more on the weaker side to bow it harder. Now, what do you have to have to hit a fade? Well, well a, sh a strong face and a bowed wrist is a start, but you mm -hmm. have to have a ton of rotation. And for a guy that is starting to see the ball come out left and, and having a little bit of right to left to it. You kind of wonder, and this is back to that conversation we had with Michael Neff. You, mm -hmm. you wonder is the lie angle a little off because typically that could, if it's a little bit too upright, that could shoot it a little bit to the left. So there's all these different factors as a player goes and looks at, and it could be a checklist of things of technical stuff. It also could be going just like throwing your clubs at the, to, for Colin, it would be the TaylorMade guys and say, I'm making the exact same golf swing I've always made. What is going on? Like, check everything back to like my old sets. Like, it, no way this is weighted the same way. Something is wrong because I know I'm swinging great. But like we've seen so many different times, players will just try to dig it out of the dirt. And most of the time that leads to uh, bad habits and injuries. And for maybe someone like Colin, it, it bled a little bit into his mental game where he lost a little bit of trust. And now a guy that's always on the green putting for birdie is now off the green. And now his, you know, he's got a good short game. I wouldn't call it uh, necessarily elite. It can get very hot, 
but his strength is is the fact that you know when you see Colin Morikawa's name on the leaderboard, you know that that mother is driving the absolute crap out of the golf ball and he's striping his middle to long irons and short irons. It's just a formula that has led to very quick early success. And I've always said, and 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 players before me, veteran players before me, have told me this as well. Great ball striking lasts on the PGA Tour. It lasts. It, you can stay out there if you're if you're a good ball striker. If you're not a good ball striker, you can play your way off that tour so quickly. And boy, did I figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it it, it is to, on on that Colin piece and and the and the Michael Neff piece. And it's funny because we're you know he looked at your swing. He's like, man, you got a lot of good stuff going on here, Smiley. Like. Thinking about giving it a second shot, um, it to me that was so illustrative of how, how the depth of complexity that exists on the PGA Tour into getting you to the place where you can play top level tour golf and win tournaments. You know the whole Billy the Billy Horschel example of doing this, you know, uh, this oddly bent you know, lie angle set where you got everything matching a 60 degree four iron is just something where the the, the steps that you need to take to get there. And, and the fact that elite, really, really good instructors are just at a loss on the front end of like, how can I get my guy to a place where he can play better? I feel like I'm doing everything right. And you get to that. I think to me, it's like, man, I, I just can't even imagine to, to work through all those things and to play good golf consistently, elite golf consistently. It just gives you more of an appreciation of how incredibly good these guys are. Um, so, I mean, kudos to Colin for getting it back. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's uh next year could be a big one for him. Uh, also looking at next year, I want to flip to a guy T2 on this leaderboard, Eric Cole, guy who is finished, I think you believe finished 43rd uh, in, in the, the, the season-long standings for the FedEx Cup. So he is qualified for all the signature events. Uh, his T2 this week gets him to 50th in the world. So, of course, if he finishes a year at that level, he is qualified for the Masters in 2024. His four starts in the fall. He's got a solo fourth at the Fortinet. T35 at the Sanderson Farms, T3 at the Shriners, and T2 at the Zozo. Um, this is a guy you talked about last week. Just he's, he's probably got rookie of the year locked up. But, I mean, how big is this run for him in terms of building confidence, not only towards that award and getting in the Masters, but like this guy could be a, a – we're talking about all these guys who are top of the – you know top-tier guys who have been there who have won majors. There's a whole other crop of young guys who haven't won yet who are going to be hungry. We're going to have a chance to make a huge impact on tour next season. I mean, how about this cat, right? Eric Cole, he started out coming out on tour, missed his first four cuts. He's like, you know what? Am I, am I good enough? Like, am I good enough to be out here on the PGA tour? I'm, I'm one of the older rookies out here. I, I think I'm good enough. You know, I, I just, but am I, you know, I'm starting out in the fall. I'm going against these weak fields, missing, you know, your straight four straight cuts. And then from there, he's only made $5 million. I mean, are you kidding me? A guy that's been on the mini tours forever, uh, Corn Ferry Tour, comes out, missed his first four cuts. Now he's going to be rookie of the year, potentially played his way into all of the majors for the most part. And it's just, you know, just made a nice little coin of $5 million. It's just uh, talk about taking advantage of the peak year of when the money just went zoop. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously, right? Uh, I wish that would have been me because that, uh, I don't know if I played quite as well as Eric did my rookie year, but 
I would have taken that uh <laughs> that that little bump of uh it's it's the frustrating part about there was a one on your card so I mean that's I mean that yeah. that would have helped for sure yeah I know I know but listen uh it's it's pretty remarkable man like just this run he's on I mean three three top fours in his last four starts I mean come on dude this this guy's uh. He's he's played some incredible golf. Uh, it looks like he played the U.S. Open this year, so he has played in one major. Uh, ex- no, excuse me, he finished fifteenth at the PGA, so he's played in a couple now. But hey, this is a, a Zach Johnson type of player. Really smart, uh, keeps in front of him, no weaknesses in his game, and he he reminds me a lot of Zach. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's just their demeanor, just kind of how they play, makes a lot of birdies, very. Uh, very cerebral in how they play. He's a player that, you know, like sneaky could win a major just with, you know, right week, right conditions. Um, He's totally a player that could, you know, find himself near the top of the leaderboard in a major championship. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Or or how about like, I mean, three events left here in the the fall. I assume he's going to play. He's going to continue to play, right? Just to ensure that that top 50 status for the masters, like, I think I think we could see a win in one of these next three events, just the way his game, where his game is at right now. And I mean, I, I know nothing about <laughs> I, I shouldn't say I know nothing about. It, but I know very little about El Cardinal at Diamante that, that where they're going to play the Worldwide Technology Championship. Obviously, you know a little bit about Fort Royal Golf Course where they play the Butterfield Butterfield Bermuda uh, every year. And then, of course, Sea Island at the RSM. But I mean. He, he came pretty close in, in that sort of Florida tropical climate uh, at the Honda Classic this last year. And so maybe one of these courses suit his game and, and playing in a, a, a semi-equivalent. OK, we, you have an objection. I could uh, be wrong here. No, 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 no. I, I'm just sitting here looking at this. I, I don't know if he took a week off this year. Oh, other, other than where? Wow. He yeah. played 36 times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let's 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 just go back week by week here because he played i'm just looking well, at this like well, and, and, hold and, on exce- accepting where the schedule like like where there were forced weeks off right like he didn't make it to the 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 um the tour championship right he yeah, played yeah. The BW championship and there was a time off between the fortinet but accepting that i don't think like, he took a week off that he wasn't in right <laughs> didn't play the open championship um, but yeah, 3M to win. Like they came back from the open. He, played, <laughs> yeah, I, the guy likes to tell, play golf. Tell me what event he didn't play. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I, this is bad radio. I'm scrolling back right now. Yeah. He missed, he of course missed the masters was not in the masters. Oh, he didn't play Hilton head. Uh, did he not get in? But that, what that was, uh, but was that, was that, a, I forget how they did the f- field for that this year. And he might not have gotten into that because that was still early on, right? After the maybe he just yeah, caught a little anyway. stomach bug. Probably just caught a little stomach bug because <laughs> he was there. Gonna, I'm sure he was there. <laughs> we're gonna attribute that to stomach bug. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you know, and and so it's and, and that's and that too. I mean, I feel like after after the Honda Classic, you make it to a playoff. You're on the cusp of your first PGA Tour win. This guy then, needs to go he, have a beer and yes, go, please. <laughs> he needs to go have a beer and go to a resort with his family and enjoy the year that he's had because it guess what it's going to be the same old thing next year as far as how many events they have so go get some rest but isn't it impressive that he kind of has that dip in form misses a few cuts kind of has some you know middle to high finishes but then like finds a way to kind of maybe maybe it was a little bit of recharge time between just playing the tour championship and after the Fortinet, and all of a sudden he's he's 
back and ready to go. And he, that's all, that's all a guy like him needs. You get him like he's, two out of three weeks off and it's like, he's good as new. Sung JM and Eric Cole shaking hands. The Iron Man. Yeah. This, those are the Iron Barnes. How about also, how about T6, our boy, Minwoo Lee? Um, I, I kicked it over to our crack stats department, uh, which is of course me. Uh, and to try to kind of figure out which category he's going to end up in. So he's still, he is fifth on the DP world tour race to Dubai, which effectively means he's third because Rory and Rom are already in and the top 10 there get tour cards. But I don't think that the status they get is better than finishing top 125. So mm. we were looking at his special temporary member status and the points he had going into the fall, which I believe he had around like, he was like mid nineties or something like that. And so he wasn't really playing any fall events except for the Zozo. And so we were kind of trying to figure out, is he going to have enough to make a top 125? Well, T6 helps. T6 goes a long way at the Zozo. And so he's now, and this, this is the one I can't figure out. So with WGC points included, he would fall 94th on the list. And without WGC points, he would fall a hundredth. And I forget what the distinction there is for special temporary members. It's yet another inane rulebook fact that has not fully computed in my head. But either way, three events left. Do we feel like he's safe there for top 125? Oh, yeah. He's chilling. Yeah? He's, he's going to be good? Dude, okay, good. Guess, how, guess his driving distance stats this week. I, I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Um, <laughs> three, so he led, he led the field 347 yards. And, are you serious? And he was 10th in accuracy. So the ball was obviously bouncing pretty good. Um, good it, Lord. Longest drive, 372 yards. And that was T21 in the field. Good <laughs> Lord. This according to Data Golf. So 347.1 is what Man, it says. And he, and he finished 10th as far as accuracy. So like this guy. And you watch it and play. And his sister man. won. His sister won this weekend. Yeah. Great yeah, weekend wow. for the Lee fam. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Well, I tell you what, Min Woo's, uh, we didn't really get the chance to like dive into his golf swing. And I tell you what, there's, there is a serious power move going on right now when it comes to laid off wide, laid off and wide is kind of okay. like the look that I'm seeing. And if you look at, I saw this on Twitter as well. I can't remember who it is. I need to start taking screenshots shots of this so I can start crediting whoever tweets this stuff out. Like you, you do a better job than I do, but it was a side-by-side -side of Gordon Sargent and uh, Min Woo. And both of them, both of their action look at the top just looked exactly the same. And you know, both of those two guys are just insane as far as how hard they can hit it. But if you put me up there at the top, like arms really wide, short, and then laid off, Dude, I'm hitting that heel or I'm hitting it so far to the right. It just <laughs> how these guys square it up and hit it hard. It's impressive. Yeah. How about Gordon? I mean, I know I know we knew this was going to happen, but it officially happened, happened, uh, you know, playing in the world amateur. I believe the event was and locking up, already locking up his tour. He card just need for to, next he year. doesn't literally need to put a T in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, congrats. You're on the PGA tour. Uh, that just blows my mind. I cannot wait to see him on tour. And I, I can't wait for the prospect of that crew, the Nick Dunlap crew. Like, I, like I want to see Minwoo Lee and Gordon Sargent teeing it up against each other in a singles match in the President's Cup. Like, that is the one that I want to see. Just <laughs> yeah, the, two bombers paradise. The next crop, you know, we, uh, we we talk a little bit about it in the interview on Thursday with Victor Hovland, talking about the big three he came out with, with Colin Morikawa mm -hmm. and Matthew Wolf. I think there's a similar big three crop coming out with Gordon Sargent, Nick Dunlap, 
and Caleb Surratt. I think all three of those guys are going to be the next great American players that are the young up and comers. So uh, fun to watch these guys play. And it's been really for me to be able to watch these guys at us juniors and now us amateurs. And, and now this fast track to the PGA tour, it's, it's crazy how, how young they were to how fast they're maturing and how quickly they're, they're finding their footing in the uh, collegiate game. And, and now, finding their way in the pro game. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing a little bit more of these, these guys. I don't know if, I don't know if Gordon's going to go back for his last year. Uh, there's talks that he might, I don't know why you would, but <laughs> it's uh, if Vandy goes out and wins right. a national championship this year, it's just like, what else are you going to accomplish? Right. It's just right. Well, I, I think that that's the debate point is like, if they don't go win it, could he be enticed to stay in school another year? But he still has still, it. I mean, that's the cool thing about it. It doesn't go away. He doesn't have to turn right. pro. Right. And he that's, can kick it down the road for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think if you ask 99% of the people listening right now, it's like, Hey, you got a PJ tour card and you're finishing your college career in the spring. Are you going to go back for your senior year? It just kind of, you're going to go pimp out your PJ tour card at, at the bars. Or are you going to go out and try to make millions of dollars? <laughs> and I think most of the listeners would be like, point. you know what? I, I, I see, <laughs> I see a window of opportunity there, but I probably Nash- should, Nashville, Tennessee. I, I mean, pro- come on now. <laughs> probably should go take my talents and, and, uh, and make some money. But, uh, boy, that, that would be enticing to be a young guy with a PJ tour card. <laughs> That's listen, that is a good piece. That's a good argument for staying in school. Um, I mean, either way, I mean, such a cool accomplishment for him. But I mean, I wonder, I think I think Nick Dunlap was either two or three on that list. He's another guy that with some good play. And if he moves up the rankings, could could be a guy that gets it done early. Winning the USAM is huge for that. It's really the only way to to get this accelerated PGA Tour U thing is to do what Gordon did, which is just completely dominate every single week you play. Um, or win the U.S. Amateur because that just bumps you and gets you all of these these little things like playing in the Walker Cup and then playing in this team competition in Dubai. It, it just helps you accumulate those points that you have to get. Um, and then for and if, if if Nick Dunlap was to go and win the national championship this year, now it's like, wow, he's fast tracked this thing. He could be there just as fast as Gordon. So he's the next one we're looking out for. And same with uh, Caleb Surratt at Tennessee. He's an absolute stud. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, this is obviously we're, we're off season here. So, you know, the, the number of things to kind of go through is, is light, but a couple more things I just want to kind of ping you on before we, we wrap up this week and, and prep for that, that Victor Hovland episode that we have dropping on Thursday, which is going to be a can't miss uh conversation. Uh, first is live team championship this week in Doral. Um, how did my, I, how did my cliques do your cliques? I think the cliques won on, on, in the quarters and, but did not win their semifinals match. Yeah. It was a big emotional win for the cliques. Um, <laughs> Let's I, go. I, I, I flipped it on, uh, just yeah. to kind of see how the, the, I think the crushers were doing coming down the stretch and the lead narrowly over the range goats. And then with two holes left, uh, the CW affiliate in Durham, North Carolina flipped over to reruns of modern family. <laughs> so I, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about that. I was actually, I was, you know, really locked in some live golf and, uh, I didn't get to see the end of it. So I mean, I don't know who to talk to about that. Uh, so yeah. my feeling about live golf right now, let's just kind of remove the PGA tour live golf merger. Let's just talk about live golf as a, um, as a tour. And mm-hmm. 
it seems like the message to the players last week was like, guess what? The PGA Tour is playing in Japan. Let's dominate in the mm-hmm. in the press room. And let's just cr- try to create as much buzz as we possibly can to try to like make it sound like we are a real thing. And you know, <laughs> it's it all these social like these live like these huge live social accounts they're the ones that it seems like they're getting paid under the rug just to to make it this this like <laughs> unreal beautiful uh unreal tour that they're just kind of making it sound like it is which maybe it is i've never been to one haven't really watched it um i keep up with it just to see who's playing well that's about it um i can't tell you if it's a compelling product i know some people have watched i just haven't uh, been busy watching the tour and keeping up with that. It's hard to keep up with multiple tours, especially when you don't really understand how the finale concept works. I'm sitting here looking at the, it looks like four teams made it and they just did a one round competition. This, is, on, this on, was very, this really confused me. Admittedly, someone who's not watched a lot of live golf this year, uh, that like they, the top four teams in the standings got a bye to the semifinals. So the first eight teams played on Friday and then the, the uh, so then four teams get knocked out, right? They they lose their quarterfinals match. So the four teams that, that won on Friday advanced to the semifinals on Saturday, right? So in the top four seeds are now playing against the four that advance in the semifinals. And then, okay, then the four, whoever wins those matches, those four. So now we're on Sunday. So it's not just those four teams playing on Sunday. It is the four top teams who advance playing in their own little group on Sunday for, for that, for spots one through four. And then the four teams that lost in the semifinals are playing in their little tier for spots five through eight. And then the guys who lost on Friday, who took a day off to drink some beer and hang out on Saturday have to come back and play Sunday. No, they did it <laughs> for spots nine through 12, which I just don't, I don't get that. And I guess, I guess if, <laughs> if I don't know what the payouts are per team, I don't know if it goes all the way down to 12. Like, I don't know where the cutoff is, but maybe the money's so compelling at each level. They're like, hey, yeah, it actually matters. We need you guys to come back and play. But it just I, I like I'm I'm not going to sit here and yuck other people's yums. If you like to watch live golf, I'm really glad that you have a golf product that you enjoy consuming. And I hope that that's for you. For me, I don't know. I don't. I can't explain. I, I, well, I, I could give you a list of reasons of things I don't like, but it's just not my cup of tea. And I think that they don't do themselves a ton of favors in making it less hokey. Like, I, like to me, if they put together a really serious golf competitive product, like I was, I was saying this to my dad this weekend. Like, can you imagine if they just signed up twenty four guys? It paid them big money. You're our stud guys, right? You comprise players one and two on each roster and then every week and they kept the prize money the same five million for the winner uh, for the individual winner and whatever for the team and, and every week they had a, a open qualifier monday qualifier however you wanted to find the criteria and you just get 24 any random people can just play their way into this tournament to fill out the back half of a roster and they have a chance of winning five million dollars okay sign me up for that yeah, that is compelling. That would, that would make a lot of golfers go broke. That's a gambler's fallacy trying to chase that money. You know, <laughs> uh, no, no player would ever quit. They're like, I have, I have to keep trying because if, any I, week, if, I, if I qualify, I can make five million dollars. You can make these these players go yeah. broke. Um, I'm, I'll tell you what. I mean, I know live golf in itself. A lot of people don't like the um, the the product. They don't they don't like the concept, but still. 
I mean, just the names. I, I still go back and look at their names. They have so many good players. And that's the frustrating thing about all this. And and the golf fan really is the one that loses in all of this. And, you know, it's it's going to suck that some players who I feel like should be at major championships won't be there. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. advocating that that all these players should be getting world ranking points. I don't know. Um, if they should or shouldn't be, it's not really my, 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 my case to make here. What I am saying is I, I don't want the majors just to turn into the PGA tour, uh, majors because I do want all the best players playing there and we're going to have some players phasing out now. Now, some of them granted they're it's past their time. They're, they're not going to be competing in major championships, but I do think about the young guys. I mean, Taylor Gooch absolutely dominated the live golf tour Mm -hmm. this year. He's a guy that I want to see playing in all the major championships, but I mean, there is a, a, they knew what they were doing when they left. So it's, it's not a situation where I'm not going to be barking on Twitter, like clamoring and, and yelling from the rooftops that Taylor Gooch must be in all the majors. Like we, we kind of knew that he needed to play well in the majors this year to make it to where he can be in the majors next year, because it didn't matter how well he played on the live golf tour and made all this money. Um, that there's a good chance that we weren't going to see him next year uh, at the majors. And same goes for other players like Joaquin Neiman. Eventually like he's a guy, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're going to see him in any majors this year. He's a, I mean, dude, he was the next dude. Like when he finished up the the Genesis, when he finished up at LA, would you win that event, man? That like puts you on a, on a different ship than everybody Mm -hmm. else. When you win it, uh, when you win at Riviera in a small field, uh, Beat Kim Young that week coming down the coming down yeah, the wire. Yeah, um, I'm looking at who's um, Abraham Answer. He was a player that yep. at the year he had coming into the Presidents Cup, and what I felt like his trajectory was. I mean, he was a player to me that I thought could easily be a top ten player in the world if he was stayed on that same trajectory. And now it's just you know, Cam Smith. He's a, we could be talking about him like we talk about Rory, oh, Scotty, and Rom and 100%. Victor every week because he is that good. And uh, and same with Brooks Kepka, but I mean the Brooks thing doesn't surprise me at all, you know, because really, when did it ever look like he really cared about the PGA Tour? And so this was the biggest it's winner. In this is Brooks because <laughs> yeah. he did not care about how he played in any PGA Tour event except for a couple of them any ones that felt like major championships to him and that he could really sink his teeth into, then he would care. But, um, and then just lastly, uh, the last guy I want to talk about is Bryson, right? He would be the, the other player that, that I, I could have seen been a really big help to the U S Ryder cup team. Just from what I've seen from him this year, really with his experience, the element of his, his driving distance that he would have maybe brought to that team. But then you look at the the team chemistry box and so he, he might check some golf boxes off, but you can kind of like put the, the uh, none of the above option in the team chemistry room with that guy. <laughs> um, and I, I like Bryce. I get along with Bryce and him and I've never had an issue. Um, but I do know that there is some, you know, I don't, I don't think the guys were signing up to necessarily have Bryson on the, on the team, but um, which is, you know, Hey, hey, they can probably look at that decision now and think, you know what? Maybe, maybe we could have used Bryce on the team. Who cares if we don't get along with them or if we don't like how he thinks or uh, this or that? But um, yeah, uh, it's 
Well, I, I think it's it absolutely. And, and actually, I want to read you a quote here from earlier in the week from Phil Mickelson that a lot of people picked up on and, and, and get, you know, kind of have a further discussion about that whole players, you know, guys there, you know, what it could look like in the future. I will first say something nice about live golf on the topic of Bryson. Great TIO policy, uh, drivable par four today. I'm not sure what hole it was. He kind of like hooked it left of the green, left of some grandstands. It must have hit a car path or something, kicked and went like way, way, way gone. And instead of taking relief wherever you could have taken of it, he hit a 109-yard wedge over the top of a grandstand while people were like walking on the path behind the grandstand. Like no one was stopped, just like music still playing, keeping rolling. <laughs> Hits this wedge to like 15 feet and makes a birdie putt. And I was like – that was kind of electric. I I enjoyed that. So kudos to you, Liv, for your TIO policy and 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 you know Bryson, of course, big win for him and his team today. But so Phil earlier in the week, of course, and this is probably the biggest headline grabber we heard was was he he was asked, you know, do we think that the the Liv's roster is going to improve next year? And he said, do I think that? No, I know that's going to happen. When players look at Liv, they're wanting to be part of it. Everybody here is happy and enjoying what we're doing and enjoying the team aspect of it and enjoying each other and the camaraderie and enjoying playing golf globally and all the benefits that come with playing this tour. There's a lot of players that see that and want to be a part of it. The question is how many spots are available? There's a lot more players that want to come than there are spots. Um, <laughs> Dude. I, I mean, what? just your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, heck yeah. It sounds awesome. Like playing for that much money. And team concept, I think it's sick. I mean, who wouldn't want to play in that? But it's fantasy land, Charlie. It's not yes. it's not professional sports. I mean, it's when I'm out there watching guys grinding and just it it means so much because their job is on the line every single week. And it's not easy to keep your job out there on the PGA tour. And it's it's become a little easier now that all these guys left. But I will say, I mean, most of the players that I, that I watch, they find they're they're somewhere between miserable and happy, and <laughs> and so yeah, he probably makes a dang good point. I, playing golf professionally with with knowing that you're exempt for three years or four years, and and you can say, hey, I'm going to make all this money, and I don't have to worry about losing my card. I know what events I show up to, dude. Yeah, because a bad week, these players are like, you know what, whatever. We're going to figure it out the next time. It's not that big of a deal. So, yeah, I could see why players would be interested in it. Now, the PGA Tour hasn't made it easy on for these players because now they could easily go uh, whether they will or not. I don't know. Um, I think the TGL, I think you made a good point on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to me, the three big factors here are OWGR points is one. Two is the money versus the legacy discussion. Well, you know, what's important to each player. And the third one is the TGL and the rebuttal that offers to live. And so just to start with the OWGR points, it, it's and I think they're all obviously connected, but, you know, live getting rejected on that front. And, yep, they could reformat their structure. They could try to, you know, play within the ecosystem a little better to get those points. But the absence of those points, obviously, you know, uh, has a, is a limiting factor to those guys playing in majors. And so then that takes you to sort of the money versus legacy discussion where it's like, what's most important to you in, in the game of golf? And I think a lot of guys, of course, the money is nice, but you just rattled off a bunch of names of guys that, you know, Brooks Kepka is an example of a guy that 
place a bet on himself and going over there. He had some exemptions that still ran out. He goes out, he wins a major, and he and the bet paid off. He gets the money and he gets to keep playing in majors. Now, some of those other guys, especially the younger guys who didn't have Matthew Wolf, you know, he's another guy. Matthew Wolf, Taylor Gooch, maybe you know Joaquin Neiman, Abe Answer, some of these guys. Like at a certain point, Mito Pereira. Mito Pereira, these guys, and, you know, and meet, I mean, look at, go back and look at Mito Pereira, like how crushing that loss was at Southern Hills. Cause if he wins that, it changes the math room entirely, especially if he was already planning to go. It's like, now we're good. We're in the majors. And now, you know, you, you miss, you miss out on that win. And now you're, you're, you're no, you're no worse by, you got to play your way in and you're, you don't have OWGR points to help you do that. So I, I think that the money is fantastic, but the only, I mean, a uh, compelling argument I'd say you know, to show you the guy still care is the rumored you know reports that Sergio Garcia was willing to pay you know seven hundred thousand dollars in DP World Tour fines just to get on that European Ryder Cup team because that's how much it mattered to him. And, and maybe that's a European thing, but you got to think that for those guys, they grow up, they want to play professional golf. Those majors, playing the Masters, stuff like that, that's on their bucket list. If they can't do that, sure, you know, however many thirty million, fifty million, hundred million dollars is nice, but. It's still going to keep you up at night, I should think. I think the last piece, the TGL piece, is an interesting one because you know it's clear what the tour is trying to do on a number of different levels. It's, hey, here's this existential threat of an opposing tour that's throwing a ton of cash at these guys. And our players, as a result of that, want to get compensated for what they feel their value is. They want to make more money. So how can we get that to them in a variety of different ways? So signature events, elevated purses, those sorts of things, that helps, Right. But what's an easy way just to funnel our top guys that maybe are at most risk of going to a venture like Liv? How can we do that? I mean, that's kind of what TGL looks like to me. And we don't know. There's there's nothing solid that I can find reported on what the salaries of these guys are going to be for playing on TGL. But you got to wonder, like, is there equity involved for some of these guys? And, and you're looking at the names, you know, of, I mean, uh, the, the most recent reports, of course, Patrick Cantlay, he was a guy that there was live rumors around Wyndham Clark, Kevin Kisner, Kis a guy that hasn't played well recently. Maybe he's a guy who could consider going over because he's a big personality. Min Woo Lee, Lucas Glover. Of course, that adds to Tiger, Rory, John Rahm. There were some rumors there. Colin Morikawa, JT, Matt Fitzpatrick, Keegan Bradley, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Xander Shoffle, Max Homa, Cam Young, Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Tom Kim, Sahith Gala, and Billy Horschel. I mean, if you're taking those guys off the table for live because they're going to do this TGL thing, how many big names are left that Phil could be talking about that could really go? I just, I just don't know. I don't see it. That's that was a really good point that you brought up on that because I, I would say that the PGA Tour they they own or they have these golfers rights as far as when, when they could play. So if, if they have, if they want to go play in another event, they have to get a release. And so for this tour, they, the PGA tour, I would imagine has some form of equity in this tour. So they have some type of money making uh, interest in this. So what would they do? It's like, all right, let's make sure we get all of the guys we want to get on a TV screen in this. So I, I imagine that, that Jay Monahan, if not Jay Monahan, somebody else uh, that's high up on the PGA Tour said, "Let's let's get our best group of dudes who represents the PGA Tour the best, whether it's players that have been on Netflix, players that have played well uh, throughout the PGA Tour season, good personalities. Okay, let's 
get that group. And to your point on whether it's a salary or equity, I think it's a combo of both. I think some players probably have higher equity than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, to your kind of point on, on the money factor and all this, if it takes off, it's another form of income for these guys to where it's like, hey, we know you're you're traveling to Jupiter for this. This is another another shoot. I mean, that, I, that's the one thing, too. I don't know if it's going to last because I don't know if these players are going to like traveling to Jupiter this every often. week. And I don't know <laughs> if it's every week because or maybe, yeah, to me, it's uh, the way I understand it. Not every team plays every week and not every player plays every week. So maybe you travel once a month there or, but to me, they it's need ti- kind of like Hope Valley men's league. A little <laughs> bit like that. They need tiger on the dang TV, right? <laughs> like th- yes, that, that to me, like they got to have him on the TV. So if he's only playing once a month, I mean, is that, is that good television or are they just going to watch the week the tiger plays? So there's a lot to learn about that. I don't want to get too crazy into it, but yes, that is something that we need to keep and uh, keep an eye on is TGL and its relationship with the players. And, and, and for those players, if, if that is, if it's too much work or they say, you know what, it's a little easier on the other side of live where the, the barrier, the, the moral barrier has been broken. I'm going to go, you know, play when I know I'm going to play uh, not to worry about my card and make a lot of money. Totally. I, I I think, and I think that's exactly the, the math equation you're laying out there is, is in my mind, exactly what it is. It's like, it's like, what, what number do I need to get to, to feel like I'm not getting shortchanged by not going to live, but that also helps me retain all the privileges and check all the boxes on the goals I want to achieve in the game of golf, such as playing in the masters, playing in all and you know the other three majors playing the players championship or, or uh you know play, playing in in any of these marquee you know, you know the, the genesis arnold palmer like just anything that's like pga tour legacy like like what are all the things i grew up wanting to do and can i make enough money in this ecosystem where i'm i'm satisfied i'm happy but i'm not foregoing all that and i think that tgl is one way to get a lot of guys that maybe could go to that number in some way, shape or form, whether it's now in terms of a salary or equity long term as this thing sort of builds out. So it, it's it's intriguing. And, and I just look like I think if you're Phil, you know, I don't blame him for being brash about, you know, live and, and optimistic about you know the future because yeah. you kind of have to be right. Well, there, I don't think there's any doubt there's interest from guys now. Sure. Now. Is it who are the guys? It, I, I think a lot of players have, have interest now, whether they'll actually go, that's a different story. I think a lot of these players want to know what their number is. What's my value? Because really the value of, of a PGA tour player is, is it's inflated. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's yes. inflated. It, it is inflated, inflated. And the PGA tour is trying to play catch up to an inflated value. And that's why the PIF became a thing and probably why they should have taking an initial meeting uh, when you have a, a competitor that's going to beat you in the money market. So, oh man, uh, brings back memories talking about the PIF and, and what it all that <laughs> means, but I'm sure we're going to keep talking about it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not an economics guy as much as I'd love to sit here and talk to you about the, the bubble that the PIF money's created. I'm, I'm probably going to get all of the, the facts wrong. So I, I just will leave it there this week on, on, on live and, and congrats of course to the crushers. Uh, I, I, last one I want to kind of hit you with, I thought this was interesting. I saw this, this AP story, 
um, it, this past week by Doug Ferguson. And it was just kind of talk. They talked to Jim Furyk and Davis Love III about the 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 state of the captaincy for both the Ryder Cup and the Presidents Cup team going forward. And of course, there was like a lot of criticism, uh, you know, of, of this specific set of captains because of the, the whole boys' club thing, right? Like they're just picking guys that they're friends with that they're in that sort of ecosystem, and they're not picking on merit. And so this is a quote from from Davis Love III, which I thought was super interesting. Um, he's twice been a Ryder Cup captain. He's once been a President's Cup captain. He's been an assistant seven times. Uh, he said they need to get rid of guys like Davis Love and probably Fred Couples and move on. I'm lobbying for it. I told a few people over at the Ryder Cup, I said, man, this is my last time. And they were like, no, no, no. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time. I told that to Tiger in 2019. I said, I'm done. He said, yeah, you're right. Who do you think we ought to get? Young guys. And then Stricker brought me right back in the next year. So I think it's an interesting one. In the same story, Furyk talks about how it was good to bring in Stuart Sink, and how he wants Stuart Sink involved going forward. Of course, the same story notes that, you know, Davis Love had Webb Simpson as an assistant to 22 President's Cup. You know, Quail Hollow is his home course. Um, Furyk had Matt Kuchar join that sort of contingent of assistant captains in Paris. So I just, you know... What are your impressions on you talked about? You said, hey, love to see Tiger as a captain at Beth Page. Like, what are your impressions going forward on um, who the new shape of this captaincy, you know, who those guys could look like, who might they be and what impact that could have on an identity of a team going forward that feels like some some years is great. Other years, not so good. Yeah, I I definitely think like, listen, I'm, I'm a huge Davis Love and, and Freddie Couples fan. And I think they've done amazing things at President's Cup and Ryder Cups. But I do think both of those guys probably would agree. It's like, you know what? It is probably time I, I set those set those shoes of guys for somebody else because, yeah, it, it is it is a lot of work. And when you look at how much work that European team put in this year and how much younger they got, you know, having Cole Sartz on the on the deal, Francisco Molinari, Eduardo Molinari, Luke Donald, that's a younger group of dudes that can really relate to a, a, a guy like a Ludwig Aubert, you know, that's not somebody that, you know, does an old, an older guy really relate to a 22 year old in this day and age? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but who, who would be that next group of guys? And I, I really am high on Stuart sink. I think he looked awesome out there uh, at the Ryder cup this year. To me, he's a very, uh, very intelligent player. Someone that's a very hard worker and I think Zach Johnson got a very bad rap, whether he'll ever be a captain again, I don't know, but I definitely think he is somebody that is very smart. He's been in all these team rooms. He's a guy that I think should continue to be an assistant captain because he cares about it. And I, I probably a lot of people are like, wait, really? You want Zach to be a part of another one? I, I, yes, I do. I think Zach is very good for the team room and, and, now, whether he should be a captain of the next one, probably not. But <laughs> but Tiger, to your point, yes. I mean, yeah. we were just kind of robbed of a Phil captaincy, right? Like Phil would have yeah. been an amazing captain. Just to, totally. I think the guys would have loved to play for Phil. But um, who else? You know, you mentioned somebody like Matt Kuchar. Kevin Kisner would be hysterical <laughs> captain. Kevin would be so good. <laughs> well, the, the thing I wonder, and it's interesting in this same story, is like Furyk talks about – you know, they kind of asked him, hey, are you going to try to borrow from, you know, the Europeans? Uh, and, and he's like, look, I haven't really paid attention to it. And I'm not really sure I care. They have their own system and it's worked. And in one context, I think that that's like you can't just 
you know, say, Hey, this thing works for them. And we're just going to copy it exactly. And that's going to work for us. Like two very different profiles of, of, of player pools and, and cultural differences and all sorts of stuff like that. But I do think there's something to like trying to find a profile for each of your assistants where, you know, like Eduardo Molinari's role as a stats guy, I'm not saying you go out and find an American stats guy, but like, is there a way that we can find guys that are like, this guy's going to be our, our rah-rah guy. And this guy's going to take care of, of these three, four players who really need some extra attention. And this guy is going to help us strategize for pairings. And this guy really knows the course. Well, and, and I don't, you know, rather than just saying, Hey, this is a collective group of guys that have a ton of experience and have played in a lot of these things. And they've kind of capped these things together. So like, let's just trot them out again and see if it works better this time. I mean, that doesn't feel like a real concerted strategy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think the Americans kind of get a little stuck in do we go after veteran Ryder Cup and whether it's playing or or being a captain and at these Ryder Cups or President's Cups versus what about somebody who's just been on the PGA Tour a very long time, knows all of these players, maybe they maybe they played in one President's Cup, maybe they played in one Ryder Cup, maybe they didn't play in either. And maybe that doesn't matter that they haven't played in anything, but they know these players and they played professional golf with all of these guys. I'm talking about someone like a Gary Woodwin, a Charlie Hoffman. These are two players to me that are, that know everybody. They're very smart. They've been on boards of the PGA tour. Now, have they been Ryder cup stalwarts or, uh, or president's cup stalwarts? No, they haven't, but they have made a ton of money on the PGA tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Charlie, it seemed like was leading the <laughs> he was leading the uh, the Masters every year on Thursday or Friday. Gary Woodwin's won a U.S. Open. He's been on teams, but it, that, that's kind of the next group of guys that come to mind. Of of hey, I would trust a Gary Woodwin or Charlie Hoffman to be able to relate to a Gordon Sargent, somebody very young, and that's kind of the next group uh, that you're going to be looking at targeting the, the Matt Kuchar age and uh, those type of guys. I, I love that. I, I think that's a good shout because I think that, I mean, look at any other sport. It's like, you don't have to be some, you don't have to have some elite playing experience to, to make for a good manager. Right. I know that this is right. not equivalent to Let's being a manager, but this, this. It's, a, it's a leadership role. And, and, and it's, yeah, there's a guy there who, who actually maybe is going to put more of his time and energy into getting this right. Cause it's a chance for him to have, to have a legacy in one of these competitions that he didn't get to play in. Maybe that's more of an incentive to do a good job. So all, all very interesting fodder. Um, we man, we we've Dude, even like done. Billy Horschel. He'd be great. Billy Hor uh, Billy Hor is that, and that's a guy who would bleed red, white, and blue. Would just love to be out there. Or even like a guy like I mean, how about like when when Keegan Bradley is kind of on the backside of his playing career. I know he's still playing a lot now, but like when he's kind of out of contention as a player, that's a guy that cares about this. I mean, yeah. I know we're we're kind of getting down the road, and maybe that's the maybe that's the issue we're having right now is we're having trouble finding guys in that like. Ryan Champions Palmer. Tour to almost champion tour range. Brian Palmer is another great shout. Yeah. Brian Palmer is um, another guy. I mean, it's there's plenty of guys that would really sink their teeth into this, similar mm -hmm. to how the Europeans have done it. Jimmy Walker's another player, tons of experience, won major championships, knows all these guys. I, I think we've made this profile that you have to like mm -hmm. Steve. I'm, the guys I'm referring to, like Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker, Davis Love. I mean, these are Freddie couples like all of those dudes. I mean, they were, they were the best, you know, like these were totally these not were the guys that helped sh shape the PJ tour, the best players. And, and that was a, a, you know, for the most part, it was a formula that worked at home, but I don't know. I, I do think that too often 
in this in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup that players get skipped over. And I think more players should have the opportunity to be a part of these teams and and with more diverse captains of like some of the players that we named. Uh, now, would they be the most popular picks and would and would Twitter think that they're the right guy? Probably not. But I think all of these guys know him and, and they respect him and they would probably think they do a good job. So I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely I think that's an approach that I'll be curious to see, you know, who the next new captain who he decides to bring on. If that's a tiger and he's willing to be, I mean, no one better suited to it than, than a guy like tiger who can make some bold choices and people say, okay, I'll do it. Cause it's tiger, you know, or I'll, I'll go along with that, even though it seems odd to me because it's tiger. So I got one more now. Uh, hit me. Uh, Brant Stenegger. He's one more. Bro, name that's a, that's a great call too. Like the guys I been just there. Named yeah. Five or six dudes um, that I think would be, now, some of them, maybe not captains, maybe some of those guys should be assistant yeah. captains, but I think Brad Stenner could 100% be a captain. Uh, he's a, he's very yeah. well respected. He's very, uh, very strong with his words, very opinionated, someone that would do very well um, in front of a mic, especially with all the pressure on him. I think he would do. What was that? Job. Was that the Michael Kim interview when when? You were telling the story about the meeting yes. that both you were in with Brant Snedeker. <laughs> yeah. right my first players meeting. My first players meeting at at Tory. He got up, and I'm just like, cool. I'm in this this <laughs> room with all these PJ Tour players. I'm a rookie. I've already won, so I'm like, kind of like listening. So, like, hey, what's 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 the word? What's going on? And and I remember Sned. He got up and he talked about how the USGA is basically robbing his blind paying us only 10 million, 10 million bucks or something. Uh, and he, he, he did, he kind of suggested that we should all, you know, veto the USGA, the U S open. Uh, so we actually get paid what we deserve, which is, wow. he was suggesting that we should make at least double, if not triple or quadruple based off what the U S U S open tennis is doing. And he made a good point, but still in my head, I'm like, I'll tell you what, $10 million playing for that as a rookie. I was like, I don't know about all that pro. It sounds like if you guys don't play, I got a better chance, but it was, he, uh, he wasn't shy about standing up and, and, and speaking his feelings. So, uh, shout out to Snets for that. He's a great dude. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, the great thing about what you're proposing is get a bunch of those guys on as assistants with a strong captain and see which one of those guys steps up and has a leadership role. And then that's the guy who's captain material in the future. And that's how, and that's probably how you bring in a new crop of guys that, that can lead the team. But I like it. I like it a lot, dude. Yeah. Let's, let's hope let's get some traction on the, yeah. on the uh, interwebs, places of that nature. Um, we went, we've got a full half hour over how long we said we were going to re- record tonight for an off season pod. So kudos to us. Uh, and man, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Thursday and the Victor Hovland episode. What do you, what do you like? Give, give us like a quick, like, teaser like thing the audience should should be looking forward to the most based on the conversation how it went well i mean when you and i script out what we want to ask guys for interviews this one was just super easy meaning like the script just wrote itself it was so obvious what we should ask him and and what to talk about and and it was more interactive so it's gonna you're gonna be able to listen to it and follow along but you also can, can watch this interview and some of the things that we that we talk about, you're going to be able to watch on YouTube. And I think just the the added component of him being able to see certain things and, and us to be able to discuss that, I think just added a little different um, element to the interview that I think uh, made it made it awesome. But 
yeah, it was it was great talking about death metal. Uh, it was interesting, <laughs> but uh, dude, I mean, Vic's the man. Uh, he, it was it was a really fun interview. The the man should be should be a good listen and and yes, absolutely go check out the YouTube page for for the the immersive experience there. Uh, it's at the Smiley Show, like all of our social handles. So check that out and subscribe. Uh, but that's that's all we got for this week, Smiley. And uh, yeah, we appreciate y'all listening, and we'll see you back here on Thursday with Victor Hovland. The Smiley Show is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.